Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Ever think those fables and fairy tales from back in the day are just a little bit dusty? Wandry and Tinkercast are bringing you a new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Join host DJ Fuchs and his trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as they deliver remixes of fables and folk tales, rhythm and rhymes, and fun spins on classics as old as time. Grab the whole family and get ready to groove because they're putting the rap in Rapunzel and getting down with that funky duckling. Where hip hop and fables meet, it's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to all episodes of Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wandry Plus in the Wandry app or Wandry Kids Plus in Apple Podcast. As many of you may know, I have been on a slow boat moving into my house, and I've been so stressed out about how I'm going to decorate and what is going on in my hallways. Thankfully, FrameBridge has come into my life. I can easily order online at framebridge.com or visit a FrameBridge retail store. I can't wait to visit one of their locations. I'm going to take in some of my old concert stubs so I can hang it in my office. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. Welcome to the Think Loud Crew podcast. Three moms getting real with parenthood, relationships, and the WTF moments of our daily lives. But today, Shannon and Cheyenne will not be joining us. So my name is Arkyle Lynn, and today I'm sitting down with our wonderful grandmother, Miss Connie Bass. Hi, Nana. Hi, thank you for having me. How are you? I'm wonderful, thank you. So today we are going to get a little intro of who is Connie Bass, the woman, you know, she's the, the, the matriarch of our family. Um, Cheyenne, Zach, and I are starting a new venture where we are doing luxury event planning and custom catering. We have finally filed our DBA and a lot of people come to Cheyenne for event planning or they're like, hey, how do you guys know all this? So it is only right that we 
talk to you, Nana, just to get some of that history. So I think it'll people, others will better understand like, you know, where, where our love, where our creativity, where our passion for event planning comes from. So I want to touch on that with you today. Okay. And then also just a little, you know, will you introduce yourself? Like, <laughs> how, yeah, just start, let's start there. Will you introduce yourself to us? So I am the eldest of five daughters born to James and Hazel Bass in the back bedroom <laughs> of 1522 East 55th Street in Los Angeles, California. So you are an L.A. native. Yes. Where are your parents from? My mother is from Pine Bluff. I was born in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and brought to Los Angeles when she was 15. My father was born in Manny, Louisiana, moved to old Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then he came to Los Angeles via Chowchilla, California, San Joaquin Valley. Got it. When he was in his 20s, he met Hazel and they married. Got it. Cool. So I've, I've heard this so many times, but it's still always really cool to hear it again. So as the oldest of five daughters what was your childhood like I was a second mother literally <laughs> however in our house was God first and then music mm-hmm. so my mother taught all of us how to read music before we were six years old how do you teach a child to read music before you <laughs> sit them down age. to the piano and you show them the music and they actually learn the notes and what they are and compared to the piano. So we actually had a a professor that came in to teach us, Mm -hmm. meaning myself and Ruth, because we were the first two. That's cool. I didn't know you guys had a professor. Yes. He was was Professor Turner. Professor Turner. Shout out to Professor Turner, because I believe two of the five sisters have perfect pitch. Yes, that's Ruth and Lois. And Lois, yeah. Like, and... Um, Lois was a child prodigy playing the piano at three. When I hear these things, I'm just trying to picture Boz like really getting down on the piano right now. And it's just, it's not happening. So, um, it will in time. It will in time. Yeah. But I think it's very special that your, that music was such a part of your life and that, that is a gift that, um, y'all carried. Another little fun fact, Miss Connie Bass over here has one of the um, most angelic, I would say, voices that I've heard in my lifetime. Nana, Nana was, yeah, Nana was, was, a, was a singer, and you also played the violin. Yes. So the violin is kind of an interesting story because playing the piano, in those days, a professor, if you made a mistake, the professor would hit your your hands. Mm-hmm. So you were very intense not to make a mistake. But my mother did one thing. She would sit on the lessons and have a pencil and paper and mark down how many times the professor hit our hands. Mm-hmm. And then when he left, then she spanked us. That the same amount of times? Yes. <laughs> Different times. Like, so I said, um, I want to change the violin. <laughs> And I do oh. believe it was because I thought it would be more difficult to spank my hands. Because you're you're holding the the violin yes. and you're holding the bow. All 
interesting. So at six years old, I was able to start taking violin lessons, which was great. I also want to tell you that my mother taught me to sing Malat's Lord's Prayer at the age of five. Mm -hmm. And I was performing Malat's Lord's Prayer at church. In front of how many people? Hundreds. And so it's performing has always been part of us because that's what we did. And every time guests came to our house, we had to get our instruments out and perform and entertain them. Yeah, it was very interesting. So preparation, discipline, um, practicing, it's always been a part of our lives. Yeah, from a very young age. At, very young, very young yes. age. I've often, I have, like you've told stories from your childhood where um, when you would wake up, like you guys would wake up early. 5 a.m. Your mother would write a Bible verse. On a chalkboard. So you woke up, you put your robe on, and you went to the chalkboard, and you studied that verse. And within two hours with, or so when it's time to leave for school, we would have re- memorized that verse. Were you waking up at five so that yes. you could remember the verse? Or were we were there... waking up at five because my mother woke us up at five. Okay. Yes. So, and, and what time would you leave for school? 7.30. So for those two and a half hours. Yes. You, so there, were, there was not a lot of confusion <laughs> because you were memorizing that verse and getting breakfast. Oh, and then practicing your vocal, piano, whatever. Yeah, you've told me stories where it's like um, she would hit a, a, a note on the piano. So Ruth and Lois. You would have to. Have perfect pitch, mm-hmm. which you were born with. But it was developed by my mother because she would have us stand away from the piano so we could not see the notes. And she hit the notes. And then we had to tell her what that note was. I see. I didn't know you were born with perfect pitch. I didn't either until a few months ago we were talking about it. And, and Ruth and Lois said to me, you're born with perfect, perfect pitch, but it has to be developed. Oh, so I thought it was something that anyone could develop. So that's You know what? I don't know. And I feel like anyone could. If you really wanted to, you, yeah. you could develop it. But, of course, there are going to be some people who just innately have it so the interesting part was at church sometimes the preacher or the singer or whatever just they would just start singing in any key mm-hmm. my sisters within seconds could accompany them at no matter what they were singing company at with that get go right into the key that they're singing in cool. they were me, able to adjust to the singing. yes and yes. i know lois auntie lois she plays the piano and auntie Ruth, she plays the organ or Both, the pipe organ. Yeah, she, Ruth difference? plays the piano, mm-hmm. uh, whatever organ, pipe, Hammond, all the... Because we didn't have pipe organs when we were children. Okay. The pipe organ came later, meaning the availability to got a it. pipe organ. Got it, yes. got it, got it. So that's really cool. And did we share some more of your music stories? Because I know you've traveled with music. So... Music was, again, a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. and um, But I got married at 19, okay. and my husband was not supportive. So whenever I had something special to do, he would get stage a heart attack. So I couldn't go to my performance. You said stage a heart attack. Yes, and then we'd have to go to the hospital. Oh, he would literally stage a heart attack. Yes. Like physically, like. Yes. Oh, I thought you were saying like maybe he was 
just being dramatic. No. Oh. He went to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the stories I've heard, Nana, that's the first time I've heard that one. So about the third time that that occurred, Mm -hmm. I said, okay, let me understand. He's not going to support my music. Yeah, that's that's crushing. So between having four pregnancies in five years, working full time, having no help from him, Mm -hmm. I said, all right, let me just release the music. Mm -hmm. So I I don't play the violin anymore. I don't sing anymore. But once we got divorced, then I started to look for an avenue so that I could sing. And depending on the year and how I could do whatever I did, I'd find a choir to sing in. So after the girls were grown and I'm raising Monique, mm-hmm. at three years old, Monique did not like the church that I wanted to go to. And she complained. I mean, she's three years old and not wanting. So I, I said, all right, I got to shop for a church. Mm-hmm. And I called my friend Joni, Joni Vaughn, the hair, hairstylist. Yes. Says Joni, I need to find a church that Monique will be comfortable in. <laughs> <laughs> so we literally visited four churches. Oh wow! Yes, and then the last church that I visited was Holman United Methodist Church. Got it. Holman had the children's choir, Sunday school. It had all the programs that we needed in a church, and it had a choir. So I then began singing with the Holman choir. So in 1984, under the direction of Gwen Wyatt, who was a beautiful vocalist, we sang in the 1984 Olympics, backing Etta James when the Saints go marching in. That was a very interesting experience. I don't remember the year that we traveled to Austria, but 40 of us, and we did two concerts a day for two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was very interesting experience. So it's even though music wasn't able to be like the focus in your life, I feel like you still had those moments to express yourself and get a taste of what it could have been like if you really (laughs) went full throttle. Yes. That's beautiful. So when we moved to Marina Del Rey, I don't know how, I can't remember how I connected, but I learned of... um, the Marina Del Rey Singers. Okay. And it was formed and created by Betty Luboff, who was the ex-wife of Norm, of the Norman Luboff Singers. And I sang with them. There was maybe 20 of us uh, at, at any concert because the people in and out. Because it was, it was literally, for, literally for fun. Mm-hmm. And so we sang at Christmas time at all the restaurants. In Marina Del Rey, the complex parties, and just, oh, the boat parade mm. was sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce, and we would we would be on the boat and sing. Did that for about five years. Nana, you made it sound like your your ex-husband saved these heart attacks, and there was no music ever again. I guess that's just what played no, in no, my no. head. There's this, always, this was after I, I know, got this divorced. Is, this is after divorce. Yeah, yes. so I'm like, you definitely... I'm happy. That, I'm happy that you didn't give it up. You released it for a time, but it I had no choice. It's always come back to you. Yes, that's the beauty of music. So in 1978, 
I said, I want to sing with the McNeil singers. Mm-hmm. Mr. McNeil was my voice coach in junior high school. So I found, I found them. And they were rehearsing at the Church of Christian Fellowship on Hobart and mm-hmm. Oxford. And so I asked him if I could sing, and he allowed it. And so, But I could not go and travel with them six months because I had children. Yeah, children, yeah. And, so, and I was a deputy sheriff. And most of them were teachers, and they had an arrangement with their schools. I, I couldn't arrange that. So I sang with them in town. I like how we're talking about music, but you just nonchalantly drop that you were a deputy sheriff. <laughs> um, t- every time I sit and talk with you, I'm reminded of all of the lives that you've had <laughs> in your on your t- in your time on Earth, and. Um, one thing I do want to get to is event planning and the catering, but I don't think we can even talk about that without first addressing that you were a deputy sheriff for... So I'd like to tell you tell that you. my first event planning, or one of my main event planning, was in 1971. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me back up. Okay. When I first got to the jail with Sybil Brand Institute in 1971, they assigned me to the critically mentally ill cell block, which okay. was 4,000. There's 4,000 people in there? No. Oh, I'm like... Number 4,000. Oh, okay, I'm like... <laughs> I, I don't know how jails work inside, I'm sorry. <laughs> 24 inmates, 12 cells on each side. Okay, that sounds yes. more manageable. So the rule was to allow the inmates to have a shower every other day, and you had to keep a, a record. Mm-hmm. But I decided that I wanted them to have a shower every day. So I would go in in the mornings, and I would sing to them. Hmm. One of my favorite songs to sing was, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. And soon I would have the women in the cell blocks who were critically mentally ill singing with me. And I walk in, I said, Good morning, Deputy Robinson is here, and we are going to have a great day. And I would just start singing. And then pretty soon they would sing as well. So I didn't know that my sergeants and lieutenants were taking note. Mm -hmm. They knew I had a music background, but they were listening to me singing to the inmates. So one day, Lieutenant Hesk came to me and she said, Connie, you are going to create the rehabilitation programs for the entire custody facility. I said to her, I have no degree. I'm not a psychiatrist. I, I have no degree. What qualifies me? And she says, your music background. I said, oh, yes. Thanks to my mother waking us up at 5 a.m., I do have that background. Did your mom have a music background? Or she just loved or did she, music. Okay. And she played the piano. She taught herself. Okay. But she loved classical music. She studied the lives of Mozart, Brahms, Beethoven. She knew their history. Mm. And she, she was, that was her. That was her thing. Yes, literally. But also, the church, the church was extremely um, ingrained in our lives. I mean, the Bass family probably walked to church six days out of the seven days. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And on Sundays, we were there all day. So 6 o'clock a.m. prayer service, 8 a.m. S- Sunday school, 
11 o'clock morning service, go home, eat, and come back for 6 p.m. Holiness Young People's Union, mm-hmm. and then 7.30 night service. Y'all were at all, the church. All day Sunday. Yeah. Y'all were there. So I'd like to tell you that. Wait, you're saying your first event, not to cut you off, but oh, your first event. Was planning mm-hmm. the, the benefits for the inmates. Oh. Okay, so go back to the um, creating the, the rehabilitation programs. programs. It was through music, mm-hmm. okay? So I worked with the, the ladies at Civil Brand, and then I had three partners, a sergeant, a deputy who was on administrative leave because he had accidentally killed his neighbor, oh. and a correction officer who loved jazz, who was a big teddy bear. His name was Mr. John, who was a wonderful man. And we had a, an office in Central Jail, a men's Central Jail, mm-hmm. okay, which is why I got to see the male inmates when they were coming back from Vietnam. So you were, you were working in a female ward or jail jail Mm -hmm. but you your office was in the male male jail yes okay because of the program okay were they in the same kind of overall jail or were like they two separate two separate civil brand was in the east la okay across from cal state la Mm -hmm. and men's central was downtown la Got it. So you worked at one, but your office was in. Okay, I'm, I'm yes. just trying to, like, mentally right. understand the okay. logistics. Okay. So the brainchild of this program was an African-American inspector, Inspector Darden, mm-hmm. who he was the one who said, let's do the music program. And he, I, I had his phone number. I could call him if there were challenges or of the suggestions. In the meantime, Peter Pitches was the, the sheriff. Joe Adams, who was Ray Charles' manager, wanted to be a reserve. Reserves get to carry guns, but most of them work patrol. They get a dollar per year, and they actually do the duties of a police officer. They have to go through the training, that, and it's usually patrol. So... Peter Pitches told Mr. Joe Adams, please introduce Connie to the celebrities to bring benefits to Sybil Brand Auditorium Got it. for the inmates. So that meant that I worked with the teams of each one of those celebrities. And the celebrities were Frank Sinatra, Billy Eckstein, Helen Reddy, Ray Charles, of course, Gave us several concerts. B.B. King, Elvin Jones, Al Green. I'm trying to remember that. These are, these are big names. Yes. I'm yes. Like. So I got to work with their teams, their agents, their managers, to plan the benefits. And this was in the 70s? Yes. Cool. From 71 to 76. Okay. Which was a great job. I loved it. Yeah, it sounds like it was fulfilling in the sense that you were still able to bring some humanity yes. to the women who you were um, supervising. Supervising, thank you for the word. And 
you know, you were able to still, your music was still coming yes. back. So it's, yes. it's music has always been a part of who you are exactly. and been part of your life. So I think that's very special. So I didn't really anticipate my peers, but they were actually jealous. And <laughs> they were like, how'd you get that job? I said, did you have a mother wake you up at five in the morning to <laughs> practice your music? No. <laughs> they looked at me like, I said, well, then that's how I got the job. It was, that's when um, experience and <laughs> just being who you are, you know, taught any degree or. Yes. Yes. So I always gave my mother that credit because I would not have done it had yeah. she not. Still insist- yes. And the church, of course, the church. So. Anyway, that job was from 1971 to 1976. And I, want, I was able to work one-on-one with the female inmates. By that, when they got released, I could contact friends outside to see if they could help. Friends Outside was an organization that was actually uh, created by, I think her name was Mrs. Dobbs. She was married to a Judge Dobbs this is many years ago. Friends Outside actually helped inmates transition from being in jail to this, the, um, by helping them getting apartments. If they had children, they would, yeah, take, they would see them through that transition. Yeah. And I imagine that is a very difficult time. So I'm happy. Yes. So I would say that most of the girls that I worked with or the ladies that I worked with mm-hmm. did not come back. And the recidivism rate at that time was 80%. That means 80% of the people that go to jail come back. Because the cause, the root cause of most of those were f- from drugs and alcohol. Got it. Now, the men was, was a different story because they were addicted to, to hard drugs. And it's just, they would come back. Got it. Interesting. Yes. And now they were housed, we always kept a band of 16 and we, we got professional musicians, I won't say who they were, who came and they were housed at the Bisclu Center, which is also in East L.A. So when, when the benefits would happen, were they're like donating their time? Are they coming? You know, they were donating their time. Inside the prison to do these things? Or is it, was, it like, are it we on the, the county yard? jail. Okay. Civil Brand, it, Civil Brand has a, a beautiful yard and it's no longer, I mean, it's, it's not a jail anymore. I don't know where the women are now, but okay. the, it's, they closed it some years ago. I apologize that I don't know no, you don't. better than that. But it, it, You're it, not there anymore. Yes. <laughs> we've, we've released that place. You don't have to keep tabs on it anymore. So <laughs> I'd like to tell you that La Puente Unified School District mm-hmm. was the school district that held the classes for the women. We worked with them as well. Okay. And we had the privilege to connect to the, the county psychiatrists, doctors. So if the girls needed any the therapy or whatever they needed, I had that ability to connect them. See, I when I hear these stories, okay, one thing about my grandmother. My grandmother is one of the most helpful people I've ever come across. Like, you, I can express an idea to you, and you're like, okay, let me figure it out. You're like, you're going to make the phone calls. You're going to do the research. You're going to phone a friend, like, no matter how difficult Chris or crazy that thought might be like you will you, you make it happen yeah mm-hmm. but it's I, I see that's something that you've been doing 
throughout your life. Yes. So and the name of my book is I Had to Figure It Out. Being I had a to single figure it parent. out. Yeah. <laughs> single mother of three beautiful daughters. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot as many of you may know, I have been on a slow boat moving into my house and I've been so stressed out about how I'm going to decorate and what is going on in my hallways. Thankfully, FrameBridge has come into my life. I can easily order online at framebridge.com or visit a FrameBridge retail store and print whatever kind of images I want for my home. Whether it's a travel souvenir, my favorite photos from my travels, or just pictures of my kids, I know it's gonna get done and it's gonna look good. All you have to do is upload a digital photo for them to print and mail your item using their free secure prepaid packaging or visit one of their 20 plus retail stores. FrameBridge custom frames your piece in their studio using the highest quality materials and ships it to your door in days for free. I can't wait to visit one of their locations. I'm gonna take in some of my old concert stubs so I can hang it in my office. I love to see things that I've done and experienced in life and they motivate me to work even harder. When you think of FrameBridge, just remember it's easy and affordable to custom frame just about anything. It's fair and transparent upfront pricing based simply on the size of your item. There's a curated selection of frame styles with design experts on hand who make it fun to choose the perfect frame. There's fast service, free shipping, and it's great for gifts. Order online or get expert help at a retail location near you. And don't forget, happiness is guaranteed. If you're not 100% happy with your piece, they'll make it right. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. So there was a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of reward in that particular job that I had for five years. And um, I was grateful, very grateful. I'm grateful have. that they had you. Yes. I, I, it makes me happy that you were able to sing to them. And, you know, I, I, we hear, I think as a society, we hear so many stories of people who, you know, are supervising inmates being like mean or cruel or like, you know, dehumanizing um, towards them. So it makes me happy to hear that you tried your best 
to bring some humanity into it. You, you, you know, Hey, let's shower daily. Hey, I'm going to sing to you. It's, um, I think we need to so hear more of that in I life. I literally adopted a saying that I even say right now. Mm-hmm. And I say, but for the grace of God, go I. Had I been born to another set of parents, my life could have been very different. Yes. But God chose to give me to Hazel and James, and we had a wonderful life. And I'm very grateful. I say shout out to my great grandparents. <laughs> yes. Like if it wasn't for y'all, like we wouldn't be here. And um yeah, it's it's I'm able to see like the tradition or just you know, the traditions that your your parents instilled right. in you, they've been carried down, I think, in a beautiful way. And um So I'd also like to share with you that at home I was my mother's assistant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cooked, I cleaned. I was second mother because mm-hmm. I was the eldest child. And did your mom work? No, she was an at-home mother, but she cooked three meals a day. And every every day, we sat down off the table was set, mm-hmm. and we had a meal every day and got to discuss our days with our father and our mother, which is was it's family such, dinner time. Yes, yes. Now the only time. That was maybe chains was on Saturdays because that was my mother's day off to cook. And my father would do out, y'all. a pot of chili <laughs> or something a little more casual. And then maybe we didn't sit formally down at the table. Yeah. I was, which is, you know, it's interesting because like as a family, we spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Yes. Together. Like Nana is a great cook. We've all had our time like asking Anna for recipes or just any kind of trip uh, tips or yeah coaching we've recorded Nana making certain meals just so that you know they aren't lost like and we're able to study and learn and keep the our family tradition traditions yeah going so it's um nice to hear these stories and to know where they where it comes from like that sense of family and we're very family oriented it's a lot of people are always like, Hey, like, where did you go? Where did this come from? Like, how do you guys operate as a family or what, what influences have like, you know, caused us to be the family we are now. So it's hearing so stories like sh- this. I want to share. Yes. That my grandparents on the bath side, mm-hmm. Elijah and Rosa had 14 children. Yes. They were the first african-american dairy farmers in chowchilla california and eventually owned 88 acres of land oh wow so my father would go up and they would kill a a cow or hog and they would cut it up and my father would bring that meat back package it and we had a locker a freezer Hmm. on gage avenue where he stored the meat so we had enough to share with the whole community, family, families that moved in from the South, church. Food was never a problem. And my dad gardened in the backyard, so we had fresh vegetables. So at 12 years old, it this was sounds my... sounds like a nice childhood. It was a blessed childhood. Yeah. Didn't always understand it at the time, but looking back and after seeing and hearing some of the stories of the inmates... 
I wrote my parents a letter and thanked them for the childhood that they had given us. And there was no, there was no luxury. You know, when I look at it, you had one pair of shoes, <laughs> pair of shoes go to school and another pair to go to sit. And you are, you might wear the same pair of shoes to church, you know, whatever. But the family all worked together. On Truth was a seamster, so she sewed our special Easter dresses. Our Auntie Robert Esther worked in homes, and so we got to have clothes from the wealthy. Yeah, I just found out that she worked in... Sean Connery. Sean, yeah, I don't know. What, what, what award show was that last night? Uh the Academy. Acad- Academy Awards. I'm so bad at these things. I was about to call it the Grammys. The Grammys are music. The Academy <laughs> Awards. Yeah. We, we mentioned James talk- Bond. Yeah. And so I said, okay, Auntie was, uh, one of her last services was Sean Connery. That's cool. Yes. So my aunt was um, the maid for the Helms Bakery people. Oh, the, the, the furniture? No. Is that, it's, but is that where the furniture stores are? Yes. Okay. So that's where their buildings are. Okay. But they actually had trucks or that drove around the city with bakery goods in them. And people, just like the milkman, mm-hmm. the Helms Bakery man came around with goodies. You go out and you buy your cream puff, your cookies. So my aunt worked for them. And I got to dress in some of her clothes, Mrs. Helms, which came from Saks Fifth Avenue. So, Okay. <laughs> Now, like all these pieces, I'm hearing new information and it's making sense in the other parts of life that you've told me about. So as a single mother, Connie Bass worked like she'd have her, you know, her two, two jobs, but then she would work like part time at Saks Fifth Avenue in order to dress my girls. Yes. For high school. Yes. So my mom and her, her sisters, um, so I'd like they to tell you this dressed. story. I will tell you the stories. <laughs> so I was one of these mothers who delighted in dressing my daughters. Yes. Oh, my God. They all went to school in freshly ironed dresses mm-hmm. every day. And the teachers would scowl at us. And they said, why do you send them? I said, that's the way I dreamed that I was going to dress my children. Yes. Have at it. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. Are you mad your, your clothes aren't ironed? <laughs> So literally, I had a lady who would iron 15 dresses a week because it's three girls, five days, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so once we moved to L.A. to Marina Del Rey, (laughs) we moved from Altadena. Excuse me. It's high school. I'm like, oh, my God, my girls are not jeans and Mm T-shirts. How do I manage to keep them dressed? So I sat down. And I called all of the department stores, Bullock's, Robinson's, May Company, Broadway, and Saks Fifth Avenue. And I asked each one of them, what do you pay your part-time employees? But more importantly, what's, what's the, the discount? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I purchase, what is the discount? Saks Fifth Avenue for part-time employees, and he, they didn't have any minimum or maximum hours. Oh. 30%. That's not bad at all. And it, they, you could work one day, it, it, you still qualify to get 30%. So I, <laughs> in those days, it was a um, mid-length wool skirt, normally plaid, velvet 
blazer jacket, turtleneck sweater with boots. So I dressed the, the part. And I went to Saks, and I said to the lady, the human resources person, I need you and you need me. And she looked at me like, who are you? <laughs> I said, I need to dress my daughters, and I want to work part-time here. Okay, so she was just <laughs> stunned, and she said, come back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. I said, may I have the application so that I can have it filled out when I get back? And she handed it to me, and she smiled, and I left. I came back at 1 o'clock. She said to me, I don't need to interview you. When do you want to begin? Aw. So we made a schedule, and I began. So it was kind of interesting because this would have been, let's see, Monique was maybe Eight months or so. so. She was born in 75. So this would be 75, 76 when the girls are in high school. The managers loved me. And they would say, they, they would reduce the items that I wanted for the girls even more. So I was getting them things below uh, wholesale. However, I worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I knew what I was... It was fun. It was fun. So the ladies that were my peers on the job were European immigrants, and they didn't like me. They had heavy accents, and and I could only work on Saturdays or holidays because I was, you know, still a sheriff. So I went home and I meditated and I said, "Dear God, I want them to like me. What do I do?" And it came to me that. I was competition, and I didn't really need the, the money that, I, what I needed was to get the clothes that I wanted at the discount, 30% discount. So when I got a big sale on Saturday, I would go and I'd get their book, and I said, let me put this in your book, because they, they made commission. Oh. I didn't need the commission. Lady, you were really nice. And I'd work so with you. Then <laughs> they liked me from then on. Huh. So I bought my way. <laughs> but I wanted it to be harmonious. Yeah. You know, the managers loved me because I was smart. Yeah. You know, and I would get the sales or whatever. But let me tell you how funny. But you were also there for a certain purpose. Yes. And it's wow, you're a special person. Okay. So taking this all in. The, I remember when the celebrities would come, the buzz would go all over the store. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. Ella Fitzgerald? Yes. She shopped at Saks. And so pretty somebody would say, Ella's in the store. You know, like, okay. <laughs> it, that was very interesting to me because it just wasn't was interesting. Well, you weren't going after those commission sales at, like some of the other people, I think. And you had already been around, you know. Yeah. Just in your line of work, you've dealt with some, at the time, like celebrities and whatnot. So I, you know, I it think just it was just, yeah. it didn't phase you the same way. No. Yeah. And so, but it was just interesting that seeing that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, how it worked from, from that particular angle. So that was my Saks Fifth Avenue story. I always like that So one. then, I, as you know, I love the arts. And I wanted to take my daughters to the Hollywood Bowl. 
And I was trying to figure out how do I do that on my salary. So I called someone and I said, by any chance, is there a way that I can work at the Hollywood Bowl so that I could bring the girls? You know? They said, yes. So the, the This ho- is literally the first time I'm ever hearing this. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? I'm so. So the Hollywood Bowl has a gift shop. Yes. I would go take the girls so they could go hang out and buy whatever yeah. beverages. I'd work the gift shop for how many, couple hours. And let them, they would just like roam around? They would, uh, you know, eat or, and, yeah. and then we'd all go enjoy the show. You know what? I told you I, I had to figure you it out. You had to figure it out. You know, as as a mom, like sometimes I'm like, okay, how do I do this? Yeah. But it's, we need to hear stories like this because it's like, if there is a will, there's like, you know, if you have a, there is a way, there's a way. And there's so many ways to figure things out and to get creative. And I love it now. Like even with, you know, moms who are in school when you see on social media and when the you know the mom's taking the test and the professor's holding the baby or something and it's it's um you remind me that you don't have to um hold yourself back in order to get what you want and you remind me that as a mom as a parent Sometimes, guess what? We can take our kids with us. Yes. And I think, like, there's no rules that say kids aren't allowed. Like, you know, sometimes the setting may not be right. But it's, yeah, you you are really reminding me that right now, especially hearing this Hollywood Bowl story. And for me, growing up with my parents, you know, they've had their um, business for next year to be 25 years. Yes. So I grew up in my parents' office. Like I grew up seeing them working. I grew up, you know, working with them. I grew up working with you also on like any on events and catering. Um, So yeah, I'm just I needed this moment right now. Okay, I needed this. (laughs) I needed this. Even like right now, after like having a baby, I've been like, I'm still wearing the same clothes because I have like my my body goals. But also, I'm like, I don't know where I want to shop, and the places I like to shop are super expensive. And I'm like, what if just thinking, I'm like, oh, wait, why don't I go get a part time retail something just to get that <laughs> discount? Because I know how I want to dress myself. I know how I want to dress my children. But at the same time, like some of this stuff, like I'm like, I'm not paying that. Yeah, I, I'm not paying that. I just so I they, they just trusted me with their furs in the fur department. Yeah. Because I was a police officer, yeah. you know, and, and even though I wasn't working security, it was just nice to have someone in the store. And I didn't have my gun on me because I, I didn't take my gun, you know. But, uh, yes, so it was a great experience for me. Yeah. How long did you? Almost three years. Cool. And, and I could choose this, you know, I could say, okay, I'm available mm-hmm. here. And I, I remember one time I took off, there was a special sale. Mm-hmm. So I took off from the sheriff's department and worked that period of time, whatever it was. Yeah. So I it love was, it. Yeah. And then just being in Beverly Hills was, was A nice. different experience, yes. yes. It really was. Hmm. Yes. Cool. So I'd also like to tell you that at 12 years old, it was my honor to prepare the Sunday meal mm-hmm. from anywhere to 8 to 20 people. Oh, how old? 12? 12. 12. So that was 
when I learned that if I wanted to have the dinner ready by three o'clock on Sunday, I had to prep the, the day yeah, I was before. Say, the night before. So I would go and pick the vegetables early Saturday morning. And you like cooked everything yourself? Yes. Okay. Let me and, just listen and for it a was Always fried chicken. Always fried chicken. So it may, may be a roast or mm-hmm. something, a ham, whatever, but for sure, always fried chicken. So when I got married, I was like, I'm never frying chicken again. <laughs> <laughs> and one day, Susan, my oldest daughter, came from, I picked her up at school. And she said, Mother, why don't we ever have fried chicken? I was like, oh, no. You're having PTSD got, from that fried chicken. I got to start frying chicken again. You know what's funny? So it was like this past weekend, Mom made some fried chicken. And Sabrina was here. And she was like, I want to learn. And I've, I've only maybe fried chicken like two times before. But I was just thinking, because I was kind of laughing to myself, like most of the men that I've like, the men I've dated, none of they don't they don't eat chicken. Like they don't really eat fried foods. Like they don't eat it. So I never make it. So right now I'm in this this place where I want to learn how to make fried chicken just because mom's fried chicken. Like people rave over my mother's fried chicken, y'all. It's the best. Like it's um it's a treat. It it it, it is a treat. And I'm not a big chicken person. Like I'm not I don't eat like fried foods, but I will eat her fried chicken like any day. Um, and Boz loves it too. Yes. Boz is one of the pickiest eaters. And right now in this it's temporary pickiness <laughs> and he's like, no, I want grandma's. He calls it the, the chicken with the bone in it and the brown skin. <laughs> and I'm like, you want some chicken? He's like, yeah, I want, he's like, no, no, no. I don't want chicken. I want the chicken with the bone in it and the brown skin. So I'm okay. like, okay. Very clear. Very clear. And he, um, I remember one time I gave him some other chicken. I like ordered chicken and I was like, oh, here, you know, here's some fried chicken. He was like this. He looked up and he said, this ain't grandma's. <laughs> and I was like, you're very right. But this is what we're going to eat right now. So it's, um. Yeah, I got to learn how to make her fried chicken. I got to keep that alive because yes. I feel like it would be uh, wrong of me if I don't know how to do it <laughs> at this point in life. So, mom, I'm coming for your fried chicken. So when I went into the catering business, people were just pronouncing my doom. And I'm like, you guys, I've been doing this all my life. Yes. So I know how to do this. Yes. And I had to get the timing right. Yes. But. Once I got the timing right, I was on my way. So when I left the sheriff's department in 1985, I ran to L.A. Trade Tech mm-hmm. to take a class in catering, a food prep. Mm-hmm. So I went to the, sh- to the teacher and I said to him, um, every second counts. I'm a single grandmother. I just left my job as, as a deputy sheriff. I, be, I began the business five years ago, and I built it to a point where I believe we can, I can support myself and my grandchild. Well, that was Monique. I said, but I never dreamed that you were doing box biscuits. And I said, that's not what I consider gourmet. When you say a box biscuit. I mean, they were like Bisquick. 
Oh, like making biscuits out of like box stuff versus scratch. And And that's what they were teaching people. That's what they were doing because they were uh, servicing the cafeteria for the students. And Uh, I wanted scratch recipes. So I was so disappointed. I said, but I'm going to make this count. So I was under the impression that if I got to through the catering, somebody may say to me, where are your, where's your certificate? Where where are your credentials? What have you done to prepare for this? Yes. No one ever asked me that. It was always (laughs) the budget. (laughs) And so I said to Mr. Phillips, who was a kind man, and I said, you know, I have a line of cookies and I need to get to a formula Mm -hmm. that I can produce in a commercial sense. I said, may I bake the cookies, bring them into the class for you in the class to critique? I did that for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And the formula that we do right now are the formulas that was born oh, out of that class. Y'all, these cookies are so good. I'm literally trying to figure out, my mom and I talk about this all the time. How do we get cookies by Connie back? Um, my So when I was like in middle school, high school, we all, every holiday season, my grandmother would make these elaborate cookie boxes that were so beautiful. And they just had, they were red and it had like the transparent, like the, the window. So you could see like literally it'd be like 25 cookies just lined up. It was a cookie cookie bouquet. Ever think those fables and fairy tales from back in the day are just a little bit dusty? Wandry and Tinkercast are bringing you a new kids and family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Join host DJ Fuch and his trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as they deliver remixes of fables and folk tales, rhythm and rhymes, and fun spins on classics as old as time. Grab the whole family and get ready to groove because they're putting the rap in Rapunzel and getting down with that funky duckling. Where hip-hop and fables meet, it's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to all episodes of Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And so we're back. Um, so we were talking about the cookies. The I cookie think. bouquets, yes. Yes, and so, I was saying to you that I'll uh, email the brochure. Okay, yeah, I'm going to 
Yes, I would love that. So I can like add in a photo. Okay. Um, but yeah, my grandmother is very known for her cookies. All my teachers loved them. Holiday time, everyone was like, "Are we? Are we getting cookies? Like, how can I get more cookies?" So the clients, Image Quest clients, got cookie baskets every Christmas. Every year, yeah. These cookies. Um, yeah. So even to this day, we. My mom and I often talk about we need to sit down with a food scientist so that we can put a preservative in so they can last longer. Yeah, so they can last longer. Um, But at the same time, I don't want to put a preservative in. And neither do I. So I'm like, why do we have to? We want it to be a fresh cookie. Yes. Period. So that means it's got to be a retail cookie. Or do like we had talked before, you know, with the... uh, the vendor, the vend, the whole vending machine. Yes, yes. Yeah. So y'all be ready. Um, 2023, we might have some. Well, we not might. I am wishing and <laughs> manifesting and praying that we will have our first cookies by Connie vending machine somewhere in Los Angeles, where you can get fresh cookies <laughs> that are really, really, really good. Like really yes, good. Yes. So the cookies got us into any difficult situation, even when I was with the sheriff's department. If I had a difficult situation with one of my sergeant's lieutenants, I'd bake the cookies that night and take it in. <laughs> yeah, and these cookies are one. Didn't you? Um, I believe you said Erewhon wanted one of the cookies. They didn't. No sugar. No sugar. Okay. And we have sugar. So I'll tell sure. you this really cute like story. Sugar. Yes. About. Uh, I had Monique at the Westside Jewish Center mm-hmm. for the summer. So I, there was, they had a picnic. So I baked oatmeal raisin cookies and put them in a green Tupperware container. Mm-hmm. So I went to pick her up. I was looking for my Tupperware container and it wasn't where it should be. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, where do I find my, and this woman was holding the Tupperware. Does she want to see who was going to claim it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I walked over and I was very hesitant. And she said, by any chance, are you the baker of these cookies? And I said, yes. And so she said, you can't have it until you give me the recipe. <laughs> I can give you the recipe, but you're not me and you won't make it the same and, and way. I said sis. to her, I said, unfortunately, it's a technique. Yes. She said, just give me the recipe. So I actually coached her by phone. I love that. You're such a nice person. And There's so many people who are like, I'm dying with my recipe. And they do. No, 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 no. I feel like when you're giving gifts like this, like. God blesses you. you. God blesses you. And you have to share. If you do not share, like. Yeah. Shame on you. Exactly. Shame on you. So there's millions of people. Yes. Enough business for everybody. Literally. Yes. Ah. Yes. Exactly. I want some cookies now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I've been thinking about these cookies. Yeah. So, so the, catering. So catering. Like catering. How did we <clears throat> dive into catering? Tony, lot of milk, and Roger Mosley. Yes. Rini, their daughter, was my child, literally. She stayed at my house. I cooked. She took food to them. Mm-hmm. And they were, where is this food coming from? <laughs> <laughs> and the cookies. So Tony called me one day and she says, we want you to cater our New Year's Eve celebration. 
It was uh, 1980. Mm-hmm. So that would have been 79, 80. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve. And I said to her, but I'm not a caterer. She says, you can do it. I said, but I'm a sheriff. She says, you can do it. <laughs> so I was dating the manager of Pieces of Eight restaurant in Marina Del Rey, which was Bill. Then we knew that Van Nickerson had just completed his hospitality course in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So the three of us put our heads together, and we catered the event. We put a team together. So they had appetizers from 10 to 2, and 2 o'clock broke out with this wonderful breakfast with these delicious biscuits. It was the talk Mm -hmm. of the town for a while for 175 people. Nice. So that was the beginning of the catering. Nice. And you've done catering for two people. Yes. Like, and it's not just like, oh, here's like a $100 meal for two, two people. But it was like back in the day. So I won't say the celebrity. You don't have to say who. But I'm just. His assistant would call me at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. They wanted dinner at eight. Yeah. See, if that happens nowadays, like you're charging, like people are taxing. So. It took five of us mm-hmm. to go and purchase the product. So for back, okay, so that was, this is in the 80s? Yes. So for a meal for two people, uh, when that happened, like how, how much ballpark would that have cost? Well, this particular celebrity was $2,000. How much do you think that would cost now? Probably four. <laughs> because, well, let me just say this. What I try to educate people it's the service, the time. Yeah. 80% of the work is done before the guests ever arrive. Yes. 80%, even for a dinner for two, is done before the guests, the two people, yes. sit down to have their meal. Mm-hmm. So you have to pay for that. Yeah, and I agree. people don't always understand. So how this worked with this particular celebrity, he loved Cristal Champagne. At that time, Cristal was $100 a bottle. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a liquor license, so I could not charge. I could not double the price mm-hmm. because the formula for catering is a food product three times. Well, I couldn't do that because I didn't have a liquor license. Got it. So I had to charge in another way, which was normally service charge. So take it that I have to call my employees if they weren't working that day. Say you go get the chicken, you go get the, yeah. the produce, and I've 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 been one of your runaround people yes. one day, and this yeah. is in my lifetime, y'all. This lady wants the freshest of the fresh, and she's very particular about certain products brands. and brands that she uses. Yes, and it's like you may be in the fish market for something, but you have to go over to this market or this part of. Nine times out of ten, products can be bought in one place. No, they're not. And it's... um, Especially when you are doing specialized service within five hours. Yes. We may not have everything in stock. Yeah, the runaround is real. That's why I'm like, nowadays, I would really have to charge because it's... um, So at that time, Irvine Ranch Market was on um, third and... I guess La Siena. The Beverly hit the Beverly Beverly Center. Yes, mm-hmm. is that third in La Cienega? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Do parties just yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So anyway, I I built a relationship with the meat department so that when they heard my voice, <laughs> they knew, mm-hmm. or when I said Connie Bass, mm-hmm. the butcher. Yes. And I'd say what I needed, and it would be my person would go pick it up for this particular client. We did this for this particular celebrity six times. And it was always fried chicken for this particular. People love fried chicken, y'all. <laughs> Mashed potatoes. <laughs> like. A healthy green, wonderful green mm-hmm. salad. I don't remember the dressing. Oh, monkey bread. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so we would keep monkey bread in the freezer mm-hmm. just for him, you know, for anticipate. Yeah. And then... Um, I said the crystal already, and then iced tea, then the chef and the the server. Yes. So then we all, I mean, they would bring. I would have the food brought from a central. Oh, you wanted German chocolate cake. Got it. <laughs> so that was a bakery on Sunset Boulevard. So anyway, there's a lot of moving pieces. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, and then the chef. We'd have to start at least an hour or so ahead of time, making sure that everything was prepped. And a cook may be involved to help the chef. So even though it's just two people, it's a lot of work. It's still a full production. Yes, yes. yes. And you're involving sometimes seven people. Mm-hmm. They have to get paid. Yes. So at the time, what was your catering company? like your, your Catering, catering co- by Connie. Catering by Connie? Yes. And then when did the Ultimate Symphony come into play? 1996. I like how you made that little face. So my grandmother's, her, yeah, it was the Ultimate Symphony, which I always loved because a part of catering, like you just heard, or event planning, there's all these moving pieces. And you literally have to be a conductor and a planner, and you have to anticipate things, and you have to know when you need to, you know, May emphasize things versus pulling away. So it's literally when you know, it's as a, a child, it, yeah, symphony. hearing the name, the ultimate symphony, and seeing how these events would come out, it was just kind of like, oh, this this makes sense. Like, so the logo it took us six months to create, mm-hmm. and I literally would go to sleep and wake up at three o'clock in the morning and say, okay. And we'll have this. to put the logo in. We'll have to show you guys as well. Because yes. it's a beautiful logo. Like, yes. um, Cheyenne, Zach, and I are working on our logo. And I feel like it's, it doesn't even touch on your vision <laughs> that you have for your logo. <laughs> and I'm not trying to talk about it as badly right now. But I'm just like, <laughs> we will get there. Um, you you have to start somewhere. Yeah, I was even like, y'all, like, why yeah. are we making something new? Yeah. We got one already. The Ultimate <laughs> Symphony, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's... So the Ultimate Symphony, I I really felt like it was going to be my last hurrah. Yes. <laughs> so let me just put everything into it. And that was in 1996. And the first party we did... Mm-hmm. Can I say his name? Yeah. For Magic Johnson's... I don't... Magic 32 when he built the retail store in the Baldwin Hills Crenshaw Mall. It was so much fun because we did the fruit sculptures. Yes. I think I have the pictures. I have some pictures. I'll have to pull some. Yes. We've got um, 
the books. I, I call hope, them the books. I hope we have those pictures because that was. But really yeah, you guys did like these really cool f- uh, fruit sculptures. Yes. This one, the ice sculptures were really big. Yes. Um, and then I, at that time, and I wish I could find her. Her name was Paula Gold. She was a calligrapher mm-hmm. and just an, an incredible artist. So I had her to do the menu, blackboard, and then colors. Mm-hmm. Do you know somebody took it? Like They were like, I'm just <laughs> going to keep this board. It looks really pretty. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I was so like, it was amazing. I just couldn't believe anybody would just walk off with it. Just like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was, it was interesting. That's random. Yeah, very random. That's random. Some other people like, so in addition to custom catering and doing event planning, you were also the minority partner at the Encounter, at restaurant. The Encounter restaurant at the LAX. theme building in LAX. Yes. Yeah, it's just the spaceship looking building. So I know for me when I was a kid, just hearing like some of my grandmother, you know, I would see her planning or hear her talking about it. And I grew up with my grandmother like, um, I, I feel like my family, we, we appreciate and we love multi-generational living. Yes. So I grew up with my, like my grandmother lived with us and, um, well, your parents were building the store. I'm sorry, building the image quest. Image quest yeah. And I did not want them to have to, it was a 24 hour service. Yes. So you did not have to get up or, or babysitter was always there. And yeah. I was, I was, Anna the was there. Yeah. Um, you weren't our babysitter you were our grandma um but being that she was there i feel like we would watch what's that show touched by an angel oh Um, yes i remember like we would just watch touched by an angel and then she would sit there and work on her proposals or like work on events but i always thought it was really cool because as a kid at encounter some of the parties some of the events that you did yes yes. so it was John Travolta, Richard Branson, yes, Richard Branson, um, Diane Seaton, oh Diane singing the premieres. Who was it? The, the spy that shagged me, Austin Powers. You did yeah, all the Austin was, Powers. That was the Richard the, Branson party. Yeah, so it was. It was just fun hearing and seeing seeing it, and then Shaquille O'Neal. I didn't know that. Did his video. See, there's all there's. I'm always learning. A lot of tall people were there. That she said a lot of tall people, <laughs> but it's you were also very connected with like the political. A lot of uh, so I would, we were Mayor Bradley's cater for the last mm-hmm. few years of his term. Johnny Cochran helped us a lot. Yeah, so it's um, this is where a lot of I would say like our exposure comes from as well, um, from you know being in a service oriented um, industry. Yeah. And doing it well, like, there's a lot of people who say they they do catering and whatnot, but it's, I think you have done it in a great manner, and it's opened up doors for our family and in the food industry and in custom catering and event planning. Um, And it's not just, yeah, I've touched on you did the dinners for two, but you've also planned weddings, Um, beautiful weddings at that. And this is where... You know, Cheyenne is the vision person, the visionary with events. Like, she's the Pinterest board. Like, I need this, this, and this, and that. I like to execute. I'm like, okay, once you have what, you you know, what your vision is, like, I will help facilitate everything. So I'm more of, like, the technical operational side. Execution. Yeah, the execution. So Cheyenne, I remember for one of Cheyenne's events, she was like, I want this 
giant elaborate flower bouquet thing hanging from um the ceiling it wasn't this what is that thing called outside the gazebo um she wanted this elaborate flower thing hanging from the gazebo and she was like you got that kid and i was looking at her and i was like sure (laughs) and i just remember being like okay so not only do i need to get these flowers up here but i need to keep them alive because it was a daytime event it was a sunny day and the last thing i wanted was wilted flowers wilted flowers and it was like a focal point i was so proud of myself that day like i was i literally um made it happen made it happen but i don't think i would have been able to make it happen if it weren't for you because i saw you make it happen for so long and just learning from you you know going to the flower mart at four or five in the morning going to just the different um places to buy food or fresh herbs you know, edible flowers. Like there's so many things that I have learned where to even get catering materials. Um, over the year, since our family has been in the, doing this for such a long time, like fortunately, like our garages were always just kind of like stuffed, <laughs> literally stuffed with storage um, or, you know, the storage facilities, whether it be Schaefer's tablecloths, like warmers, full on fridges, um, <laughs> Like our old house, people would come visit and I'd be like, oh, let's like we had like a basketball hoop in the into the driveway by the garage. And people would be like, what is this garage is crazy. Like, what are you guys doing here? Like, what kind of what kind of business are you running out of of your garage? And I'd be like, oh, it's you know, this is our catering stuff. But it was it's. um, Yeah, I I am happy to be entering this chapter of my life. And to carry on, you know, your, I look at it as, is this our family, part of our family legacy in terms of being a service provider? Right. Um, so living in Altadena on yes. Porter was very special. Yes, it was. And often when I did not have the budget for my client mm-hmm. to decorate the table, I would just go out and take branches off. <laughs> tangerines <laughs> and leaves from the house yes so the house and that decorate the buffets <laughs> shine and i grew up at had 35 fruit trees yes it, it, yes so it was a very um i would say magical yes childhood upbringing um so yeah use those resources exactly i, I would have i still there's a huge avocado tree at that house i still want to go back and just be like hi like can I sell some avocados? <laughs> avocados are really expensive in the store, and I never knew that until you know you had to buy them. Until I had to buy them. Yeah, I don't feel like I should have to buy them. I want to go back to the house and just pick <laughs> them off the tree. Like, give us some avocados. Um, and the tangerines were just the best. Yeah, I miss that house. Yeah, I miss I miss the fruit trees. I miss the trees. Yeah. I miss those trees. It was wonderful. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to cry now. No, but I'm excited. I'm excited for Cheyenne, Zach, and I to start this chapter under your guidance. And so the most important thing is to literally do a detailed proposal because you do not know what the cost is going to be until everything is written down and figured out. People always want to say, what's the cost? What's the cost? And they want to pressure you. Nope, not until I do my research, find out what the cost is, and keep in touch with what are industry standards. Yes. 
That's you know, what do you pay servers, supervisors, cleanup people, etc. If someone wanted to start a catering company or event planning, is this something that you would be open to consulting them of on? Of course. Okay. So I'm just putting this out there. <laughs> Connie Bass's consulting services are available. Yes. Um, and when I tell you, like, just there's so much wealth of knowledge um, and experience and and it's not all it's not all luxury catering it's not you know there's been that has occurred but there's also you know balling on a budget i would say yes events and there's there's so many tricks of the trade and yeah it's if you have ever if you have questions like so food was our we'll reach out our specialty mm-hmm. or the, and we always wanted to make sure that the food was fresh, yes. properly uh, maintained at the event, and uh, hot if it was hot food. Mm-hmm. Cold was cold. Mm-hmm. Temperature was always extremely important. Yes, temperature is very important. It's very important. And we never had anybody get sick. That was that's a that, I think that's a huge feat. Yes, that's, that's a that's something to be proud of in food service because it's yeah that's something to be proud of because right. it's so easy for something to come out but again temperature is extremely important and if you follow the guidelines of the health department you'll be okay Mm -hmm. i had to learn them so a random fact um for my grandmother being the minority partner at encounter um there's opportunity to run um the employee the back lot of at lax there was like an employee cafeteria right and we had that contract and from there it led to another contract at santa no free nuclear generate generating station so your girl over here worked at a, po- a nuclear power plant for <laughs> four years four yeah like four four years and there i learned so much about food service and just food and baking in general. Um, we operated three employee cafeterias um, servicing literally thousands of people a day. Yes. And then there was a, a period of time for a couple of months. I don't remember how long. Um, actually, it was more than a couple of months, but we were 24 hours. Yes. And I was like 19, 20, 21. But I, I literally, there was a point in time where I was managing a staff of 33 people I had to make all their schedules. I was doing the food ordering. Like my dad taught me how to do the food ordering. So I'd have to do the food ordering. I was doing the payroll. Um, I was learning tricks in terms of food ordering. So like for the holidays, I knew we would order like large amounts of vegetables or whatnot. But I learned this trick from my dad. I would order, we would order, place the order for like certain vegetables, like maybe like six months in advance when the prices were lower. And then ask them to hold it and or not deliver it until like, you know, the set date that we needed because around the holiday time, everything went up, everything went up. So just learning like little tricks like that, you know, um, I always thought were really interesting, fun, cool. I hope no one gets mad at that. Um, <laughs> and we, that's why I learned how to do like budgets for parties where it'd be like, okay, here's a hundred thousand dollar budget. It's for, you know, 3,500 people. Um, this is, this is it. So learning how to do all the budgeting and just really 
paying attention to detail. Like there's a lot of detail that goes into the event planning. And it's crazy how you can literally be planning an event or working on an event for like three months, two months, like an extended period of time, all for one day. And when that one day is over, it's like, Oh my God. We're done. We made it through. (laughs) We made it through. I remember one time we had to do an event. It was for 3000 people and we had to make kitchens because it was in a giant parking lot and it was buffet style. So which at the time was like, when I look back, I'm like, how do we do it? Um, and then something happened where there was like an extra three or 400 people. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. This was, and it was Thanksgiving. Oh my God. So we ended up running out of Turkey. Yeah. Cause it was, there's, they, they say that. Yeah. They, we planned it for 3000. They might've given us a number of like 27 or something. We planned for like 3000 or 3,100 people, but it really ended up being like 3,500 people. Um, it got to the point where we literally were like pulling out any and everything that we could. Cause we weren't not going to feed the people. Like we were like, we're here to feed you. Like let us feed you may not be what you thought was going to be at the end. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but we are going to give you food. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen in catering um, where, you know, you've got your smooth points, but I've definitely had some of those moments where it's like, Oh, <laughs> this could go really bad really fast, like having to think quickly on your feet. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank you for those moments. Um, yeah. Cause they, I, I think they will forever live with all of us <laughs> yeah. and it's gotten to the point where, you know, our friends and family now come to us for cooking or event planning and it, they're, they're really trying to get to Nana. They fill us out first <laughs> and then they're like, okay, well I'm just going to ask Nana. You're smart. You're smart, (laughs) smart. So thank you, Nana, for coming and sharing with us. Thank you for having me. We'll have to bring you back on one day with Cheyenne and Shannon, just because you've got so many gems and just life lessons, and um, there's so much that I think mothers, there's like that's a whole other conversation of just you parenting. You're a single mother of three daughters, um, one of your daughters had a daughter young. So then you were, I always say you had four daughters. Right. Um, but then you also raised your grandchild. Um, and you had thriving, full-on careers. And you've, you've had some marriages. Um, Just two. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Some marriages. You've Eight years the first time, eight months the second time. <laughs> She learned her lesson quick. <laughs> she said, oh, wait, just kidding. <laughs> um, you've, you've had, like, to me, you've had a very fulfilling life. life. I, I, I really am very blessed and yeah. I'm grateful. I believe so. Yes. I, yeah. I think, I think you're definitely worth sharing. I love, I love sharing my grandmother okay. with everyone. So we're going to include, is it okay if we include your email address or if, you, if anyone wants to reach out? And then also Connie Bass has a nonprofit. It's the Hazel Catherine Institute for the Arts. 
Hazel Catherine Bass. Oh, sorry, Hazel Catherine Bass. Excuse me. <laughs> Into sorry. Soup for the Arts. Um, where they are focusing on teaching students how to read music. Yes, to, so that they're employable because there's a lot of people who are innately talented. Like playing by ear. Yes. But unless you know how to read a score, you cannot work in a symphony or, or a studio. You have to be able to read music. Yeah. And it's um, it's one of those things where once you learn how to read music, it sticks with you. Yes. I, I, I know how to read music. I, I don't play or use it at this point in my life. Um, I would like to. But um, I was taught how to read music at a young age. And it's like one of those things where you just can't unsee it. <laughs> like you can't unknow it. I think once you know it, once you learn it, once you grasp it, it stays with you forever. So I think that is a beautiful gift to have and a beautiful gift to give to someone. So, yeah, just from a music lovers, music supporters, I will put the information also so that you can support Miss Bass in her vision and her goals in life. Cause okay, they're here. They're here to stay. Your your legacy is here. So, I love you. I love you too. Thank Every you. time we end the show, we either give the odd, like we give the listeners a um, bit of advice, or we share with them what is called a WTF moment. So a WTF moment stands like it's like what the oh my god yeah. So if you just have like a crazy moment of the week, or just you know you can share a, a highlight, or you can share advice. So I say. Keep God in your life at all times. In my life, God was first, mm -hmm. family next, and then my profession. Beautiful. And for me, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a WTF. Y'all, Cheyenne and Shannon are not here, and it's been a long week, and I miss my friends, and I can't wait for them to, to come back and for us to record together. So that's my WTF. It's not really a WTF. I'm just... Just saying. I miss okay. their presence. So thank you all for tuning in to this week's podcast. Um, we over here at the Think Loud crew truly appreciate you. Please do not forget to comment, like, and subscribe. And to listen on your favorite podcast platform. Um, again, my name is R. Kyle Lynn. And you can find me on Instagram at R. Kyle Lynn. And we had a lovely guest today, Connie Bass, Constance Bass. And everyone calls me Connie. Everyone calls her Connie. I call her Nana, sometime Nanners, because, you know, Nana 2.0. Um, she's always evolving herself, literally. This woman is taking Zoom classes and grant writing classes and social media classes, you know, Trying to keep up with you. And I'm trying to keep, the funny thing is, is we're trying to keep up with you and you're trying to keep, you're not keeping up with us. You're just adapting to what we have century. to do. Yes. So it's, uh, we're secretly still trying to keep up with you, Nana. Okay. So thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget to go comment, like, subscribe, and we will see you next week. Ciao. Bye.